BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. How's it going, SpursCast listeners? This is Paul Garcia of the SpursCast. In episode 512, which you are about to listen to pretty soon here, uh, Michael DeLeon, who is my guest, he and I spoke about um, Derek White becoming the starter for the Spurs. Now, uh, keep in mind that we recorded this on Thursday evening when White, um, you know, w- it was not revealed yet that White would be out six to eight weeks. So in our conversation, when we discussed White, this is with the intention of thinking that he was going to be playing pretty soon here at the start of the season. But on Friday morning, Jeff McDonald of the San Antonio Express News did report that Derek White is expected to miss miss six to eight weeks of the season. So um, that part will not be discussed in the Spurs cast. So just giving you all a heads up when you do listen to it on, on why that information is a little inaccurate in the beginning. So hopefully you enjoyed this episode 512. Episode 512. My name is Paul Garcia and I am the host of the Spurs Cast. Joining me for this episode 512 is Project Spurs' founder, Michael DeLeon. Mike, um, you know, the Spurs injury report came out today that you and I are recording this on, on a Thursday. And, uh, you know, DeJounte Murray and Lonnie Walker are, are obviously hurt. But then uh, my Twitter mentions were blowing up because uh, Lonnie, uh, uh, Derek White's also hurt with a uh, left he has left heel pain, even though it's not a major injury. So, uh, yeah, a lot of people were not – they were just, like, thinking that the Spurs are, like, cursed and stuff. Uh, who knows what's going on right now? So how are you doing, and, and what did you think about this plethora of, of injuries that's hitting the Spurs guards right now? Well, that's just crazy. I'm doing all right, but it's just like it seems like the guards are, like, I don't know, under attack or something by the injury bug. It was funny because I felt like I jinxed the team. It was the first time I actually went to a game, like, at, just to watch it, not to cover it. And Lonnie Walker goes out after he's, like, doing well. Oh, that's right. That was the Detroit game, right? For you, <laughs> man. Yikes. Um, yeah. So, so Mike, uh, you know, obviously the, the big news here is uh, is um, Dejounte Murray because you know it's unfortunate that that Lonnie did get hurt, but he's only out six to eight weeks, so he should eventually be back at some point in the season. Um, but the, the main injury right now, Mike, is Dejounte Murray. Uh, you know, against the Houston Rockets in the second quarter, he went down with um, what's basically a torn ACL, where he's going to have to have surgery on it. Um, and, and right now, we don't know an actual diagnosis for how long he'll be out. But, you know, Pop basically said he's thinking probably the whole season, which is pretty typical for that type of injury. 
So, th- so there's a bunch of questions right now with, with losing um, Dejounte Murray. You know, he's such a key part of their of their defense. Um, you know, second team All NBA defender last season. He's he's really good. One of the best at, as far as being a guard and being able to crash the boards, helping the Spurs get stops on the defensive end with his rebounding ability. One area where you think where you might see a, a jump of boost is in the offensive end, where I think White's a, 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 at this point, at least in his career, it's really early. He's a little bit better of an offensive, more versatile offensive player than Murray because Murray was just developing that that mid range jumper. Um, and White's better about you know getting into the lane, uh, hitting the spot up three, getting his teammates involved with the pick and roll. So Mike, my my, qu- my first question to you is you know what were your what were your thoughts on that initial Murray injury, and then do you think White's going to be okay as a starter, or how do you think he's going to fare? Yeah, I mean obviously when I first saw it, it didn't it, it was kind of hard to tell the seriousness of it, but it seemed like he was knees buckled or whatever. So anytime you see that, that's not obviously you know a big deal just because it's supporting all your weight and you kind of need it. Uh, especially when you're playing in the uh, NBA and then putting so much wear and tear on that thing. So uh, Derek White's gonna have a chance to prove himself. I mean, I, I feel like a lot of people have been calling for Derek White's number and have wanted to see him uh, since last uh, year. What I saw of him, obviously, it's two different things. Summer league, I saw the growth there from G League to summer league, and I saw where he seems to be comfortable and poised. Uh, so now we'll see exactly how that translates into you know, full NBA 82 game season. I like the confidence in going with him. Uh, so, But obviously, I think there's going to be some things missing. Obviously, I think you see last night they probably missed uh, DeJounte's defense a bit. And, uh, I mean, that probably has more to do with other players than it did with White last night. But that's definitely a piece that's missing. Uh, and, you know, I mean, I would, I'm kind of looking forward to seeing what, what White can do. I think it's going to be his, his uh, time to shine. But it's also unfortunate because... It seemed like DeJounte has taken so many steps forward over the offseason, had worked so hard. And even though it was through a few preseason games, his jumper was looking strong. And it was kind of like, I think a lot of people thought this was going to be kind of a breakout year. And for all that to just kind of go away is, is uh, hard to see, but we'll see how they bounce back. Yeah, you know, you're you're speaking of that Atlanta game on a Wednesday night where the Spurs fell in in um in, a, in the preseason one thirty one twenty seven against the Hawks, and why you know for for me he had a really he had a really solid game fifteen points six rebounds three assists one steal two blocks, um and only one turnover in twenty nine minutes considering he has more of a, a responsibility. So like I said, um I did like that the stuff I saw um from him in, in the with the Austin Spurs last season and and you know the game I saw with him in the summer league it was kind of translating to that NBA level. Um, early on in the preseason, and now that he was a starter yesterday against the Hawks, so you you have a good point though. You know h- how does that work against real NBA games when he's getting legitimate minutes? Uh, he's a starter against some of the better defenders in the NBA. Um, you know, some nights he may see guys like um like 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 Patrick Beverly will come at him on defense. You know, how does he gonna react to those kind of situations? Um, Marcus Smart players like that, so really good defenders at the guard spot. So so right now, my initial take, I really feel that he's going to be a pretty solid guard, and you're right where I think they're going to miss DeJounte on the defensive end the most and, and on the boards. But I think he will bring a little bit more of a dynamic um, to their offense. Uh, one question that kind of got went floating around um, you know, after Murray got hurt was whether or not the Spurs are going to bring in a veteran. So... This is a tough question just because of where the roster stands right now. Not, I mean, not the roster, the free agent stand. Um, there's not many, like, you know, impactful point guards out there. There's there's guys like Mario Chalmers, um, Aaron Brooks, Jameer Nelson, Raymond Sessions, and maybe even Ty Lawson. Or a, a, a player that a lot of fans want is Jamal Crawford, but we don't know if he would want to play for um, the Spurs. So what do you think about them possibly bringing in um, a third guard as a backup, like a, like a journeyman type of a veteran point guard? 
Yeah, I mean, I think somebody from the athletic reported recently that they weren't going to look at bringing in another veteran. I mean, I feel like you always kind of want to have that uh, just kind of a safety or, or somebody there for insurance. Um, but then there's already seems like such a battle for roster spots right now that it's going to be kind of hard to find uh, someone and, and find minutes for them as well. So I like the decision to start right and then have you got no backing him up because obviously that's somebody that I think pop trusts and, um, you know, they've got other people that can handle the ball as well, but you're going to miss, uh, I think it's always nice when you have a veteran back there that can, that can help even in that third point guard spot. Um, but like I said, I don't think it doesn't seem like that's going to happen. Yeah. And, um, you know, just, to, just for, for, for the fans that, that, you know, you keep saying for the Spurs to sign a veteran guard, uh, you have to do keep you have to keep in mind some of the financial impact here. So let's say that the Spurs um, apply. Let's say that Dejounte it's revealed that he's going to be out all season, you know, medically. Well, then they would have to depl- uh, apply for the disabled players exception. And if they do get that granted by the league, um, they would only have seven hundred fifty thousand dollars to sign a player. So a lot of those those vets, we don't know if they want to play for seven hundred fifty um, grand. I, I don't know if Jamal Crawford wants to. He walked away from four million in Minnesota. Uh, this off season. So that's thing to keep in mind is that the money amount that they can pay one of these veterans. The second thing is that if they want to give the veteran minimum, the full veteran minimum to one of these players, they would have to waive a player, which would probably be Quincy Pondexter because he's on a partially guaranteed deal. So, so my read on it right now is that I just think that you're right, Mike, they're going to kind of go with white and mills as, as their two point guards and, you know, give some, some other ball handling to maybe like to, to, to um, DeMar DeRozan here and there. Um, and kind of, you know, as long as White's not, you know, a huge detriment on, on, on both ends of the floor, I think that they're going to hold off on signing a veteran guard. Unless he really plays poorly and they really need somebody in there to be stable and, and, and you know, just run the point guard, then I could see them signing a vet or, if, you know, obviously if, if another guard gets hurt. Um, and, and Spurs cast listeners, just in case you all know, um, that, that White injury that, he's, um, that he has for Friday's preseason game against Orlando, it's called a left, uh, it's called a left heel pain. That's, that's more of a, of a precautionary injury. Uh, Jeff McDonald reported that it's not it's nothing serious. He'll be re- he should be ready for the opening night uh, next week against the Wolves. Okay, Mike, uh, let's go to move on from the, from the point guard situation to, uh, down to some some roster updates. Uh, the Spurs this past week uh, waived uh, forward Jaron Blossom game. Um, he was a player that some fans also wanted to to see stick around in San Antonio, where he he was a, he was a second round draft pick last year. Uh, he spent the season in Austin last season with the G League. And then this year he got his chance in summer league and then also here at training camp. But he was waived uh, this past week. Then uh, the Spurs signed Josh Hustis, um, you know, basically for a day. And then they waived him. But that was more uh, a paperwork um, process just to get his, his rights for the, for the G League. So he's probably going to end up in Austin. Probably not as a two-way contract as Jeff McDonald, the San Antonio Express uh, News noted, because he's spent three years um, already in the league. So, um, Mike, what did you think about the Blossom game waiver and the uh, and the Houston signing and uh, Houston signing a waiver? Yeah, the Blossom game thing. I know a lot of people were surprised about that. I wasn't as much just because I mean I like what I've seen out of him, but he's not gonna be ready. I think I think it's gonna be a numbers game in minutes, and he probably wasn't gonna get that anyway. And so I think waiving him and having his rights for uh, to play in Austin is, is a big deal. The Houston thing, it kind of happened faster than I expected, but, I mean, I think it kind of tells you exactly what the Spurs' intentions were, and uh, it'll be nice to see him. He's obviously not, I don't think we've seen anything out of him in his uh, NBA career so far to where he'd be willing to give him a, a contract spot, I mean, a roster spot already. So it'll be good to see him in Austin and see where he's at, and uh, then I guess evaluate him and bring him up if they have to, if they need the help. But, yeah, I wasn't terribly surprised at either one of those. 
Yeah, and see, for me, um, you know, I wasn't surprised. I honestly thought Blossom Gamer probably wouldn't make the final roster. But uh, what I was surprised at is why they did it so early. Because, you know, they only went into camp with 19 players, so they could have also signed Houston. They didn't uh, They didn't have to waive Blossom Game just to sign Houston. So I was kind of just wondering on my end, you know, why did they do this so early? Why didn't they cut, you know, Nick Johnson or Carl White as well? Um, and and I, I really thought it was more for Blossom Game's, um, you know, benefit where, where maybe he had an opportunity with another team. Maybe an international team had, a, had an offer, offer for him. Since, and so the Spurs kind of did him a, a courtesy move where they let him go early so that we can get that opportunity rather than just waiting till the, till the last game of the preseason. But so far, I haven't seen anything reported that he's going to sign with anyone. So I, I do wonder why that came about so quickly when they could have just waited until after the preseason ended uh, for, for him to get waived. Um, you know, Houston, you're right. One thing you brought up uh, is, is the fact that if he plays well in Austin and they do want to eventually bring him up to the NBA, they would, again, have to open up a roster spot for him. That would probably be Quincy Pondexter would have to get waived if Houston, you know, uh, started performing really well in Austin. So now, Mike, the roster sits at 18 players uh, in training camp. After the Orlando game on Friday, uh, the Spurs do need to start getting ready to make some roster cuts. And the two players on um, camp deal still are Nick Johnson at point guard and Okara White, a big man. Uh, Mike, do you see any chance that those two players are going to are going to basically um, either get a two-way contract or uh, end up, you know, Pondexter gets waived so one of those two players can sign in San Antonio? I, I don't see it yet. I mean, I just I don't see enough of Okara White at all really to even make a, a good assessment of him. Yeah, I feel like maybe he'll just a camp body, some guy that can help and defend and, you know, uh, test guys a little bit. Nick Johnson, I like what we saw from in Austin, but the whole tra- transition and uh, to the NBA hasn't been as easy, and I feel like he's probably just not ready for that yet. And sure, you like to have that third point guard, like we said, but are you going to trust uh, that spot in the hands of someone that's still kind of unproven at this level? Uh, I don't think so. So I really can't see them, especially with Pondexter, because... Well, I've told you I wasn't terribly impressed with Pondex so far. He does have the experience that I'm sure Pop likes, and uh, I think that experience will end up playing a bigger uh, role or, or in the decision to keep him around over those two guys. I agree with you on, on both those points. Um, I, I really don't think either player is going to make the final roster. Um, you know, after after Friday's preseason game against Orlando, I think Nick's going to get a huge opportunity since uh, since Derek White's going to be out on on Friday. Uh, but again, he'd, he'd really have to play really fantastic and, and just really, um, you know, really just impress the front office where, where they're willing to possibly either give him a two-way contract or possibly wave a Pondexter and, and give him that 15th roster spot. So for now, I, I don't see those two players um, sticking around when the, when the final roster does need to be trimmed down. Okay, Mike, let's go on to our third topic of the show, and that's going to be a few preseason questions I have. Um, you know, this is a weird preseason just because, of, again, the Murray injury throws everything off. We had we had a pretty good sample size, uh, you know, with three games against, uh, who was it, against Miami, against Detroit, against Houston. But then, you know, in that in that first half when, when Murray went down, it, it's almost like a brand-new Spurs team where we don't know what, what they're capable of uh, now that now that Murray's gone because he's such a, a crucial part of their, of their core uh, to their team. So um, one of my first questions I did have regarding, um, you know, Murray being gone is, is the defense. You know, how much are they going to drop? Uh, one thing we saw already was when he when he when uh, in that first game against Houston, even even though he played a little bit in the first two quarters, the Spurs gave up 108 points in that game. Now Houston's a very dynamic offense. We know we know that's what they're capable of doing to to your defense. But but the next game against Atlanta, uh, the Hawks scored over 30 points in every quarter against the Spurs' defense. Um, they put 130 on the Spurs. 
And the Spurs had had a really tough time in the open court, keeping keeping um, you know Atlanta in check, and then also in the pick and roll, Atlanta was just um, kind of just targeting Pau Gasol, Rudy Gay, uh, Demar Derozan were a few names uh, that I can just recall. And one thing to keep in mind though about that defense is that Lamarcus Aldridge did not play in that game due to um, rest. So so Mike, are you kind of are you going to be a little concerned here uh, heading into the into the real season when it starts uh, regarding their defense now that Murray's out? I mean, yeah, I, I think you kind of have to be just because he's such a big part of it. It's like I said, Derek White has shown uh, what he can do on defense as well. I mean, he picks up blocks here and there. And, but I think he was just such an important part of that, especially when you have uh, Tamar DeRozan, who's not known for his defense out there. He kind of balances or balances that out a little bit. So, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely worried about that. I, I think we've talked about Powell quite a bit in his defense, especially against um, more athletic players and, and well, that could be a problem. So I'm just kind of interested in, in seeing, you know, where they pick that up, uh, where they pick up for that loss. And, and Derek White's part of that, but, but then there's some several other players also that that's just not their, their strong point. And, um, you know, I think we've seen on this team, especially when you lose guys like, you know, Kawhi Leonard, who didn't play last year, but then Danny Green, who was uh, really huge as uh, part of the defense. And, and again, DeJounte, who's a second team all defense. Uh, and not having that it can make a difference on this team. So I'm, I'm definitely a little bit concerned because, I mean, if, if you're going offense against offense, then the offense really has to be scoring quite a bit. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I, I, I was, you know, I, I really thought that, you know, with the healthy Murray, even though they lost, uh, like you mentioned, Danny Green and then also Kyle Anderson was a huge part of their defense last year. They, they lost both those players. I really thought that they could still possibly stay as a top 10 defensive unit just with their, you know, their, their corporate knowledge, the players that they already have in there. But now without Murray, you know, I, I am a little concerned here. You know, not only is it the starters that are going to have some trouble on defense, but also the bench players. We're going to go through that lineup in a little bit. They're not, none of those players are known for their defense. The players that are coming off the bench outside of Jakob Pertl. Um so I really feel that it's going to come down to where does Pop play certain players. Like I feel like Rudy Gay plays pretty good defense at the four, but when he's at the three, it's it's a little tough for him to move laterally and you know stay stay uh, with his defender on pick and roll coverages. Uh, you already mentioned DeRozan there. You mentioned Powell how how um, how, how defense will target him uh, in pick and roll. So uh, I I. I I I don't know how to say this right now. I think right now, just based on what I, what I'm seeing in the preseason with that Houston game and that Atlanta game, I could see maybe like 11th or 12th early on. Uh, but I'm not sure exactly. I think that you're right. Where it's, it's going to come down to Derek White. You know how much how, how good of a defender can he be? Where he can if if he can help them stay in that top 10 margin. Do you agree or or how do you, how do you feel about that? Oh yeah, I definitely agree. I think that's going to be important for him. Okay, let's go ahead and uh, go into another question I have, and that's uh, that's going to be about the second unit. Um, you know, one thing you're seeing now is that they have a lot of shooters in that second unit and players that move the ball, cut without the ball off screens and stuff, but they don't have a guy who can kind of get to the hole, that old Manu Ginobili type role, who can kind of get it, use the pick and roll and get into the, the lane to create. And that player was supposed to be Derek White for this unit. However, now he's obviously starting, so he's going to lose some minutes to play with these guys. So so that lineup Pop's been kind of throwing out there in the, as a second unit in the preseason is Patty Mills, uh, Bryn Forbes, Marco Bellinelli, Davis Bertens, and Jakob Pertl. Um, how how do you think that Pop can can uh you know supplement some some playmaking in this lineup? Do you think that he should just let them go out there and move the ball and just shoot threes, or do you think that uh he should maybe st- stagger the minutes of somebody like Derek White, uh, Demar Derozan, Lamarcus Aldridge, or Rudy Gay? I mean, I really think they're going to have to study their strengths there, and it's got to be firm because you're really looking at four spot up shooters and a center that can move around and, and can do those type of things. So I think he's not to play those strengths. I really don't see. 
them, you know, find, finding another player. I mean, it would, like you said, it would involve maybe moving somebody else or playing uh, a starter with those guys uh, with longer, maybe first quarter uh, before they, they rest one of those players. But yeah, I don't really see where they have anybody, anybody that can really attack uh, a defense or anything. And, and yeah, I agree with you. I think that he's going to have to figure out a way to get one of those starting players to get some minutes with that bench unit every, um, you know, whether it's subbing somebody out early and putting them in because they do need some playmaking. Now, here's a wild card for down the road. Let's say, um, you know, six to eight weeks later, this bench unit is struggling to, to, to create for themselves. Do you think Pop might actually give Lonnie Walker the fourth a shot, c- considering he's one of those guys who has that, that type of upside who could maybe um, uh, start making some playmaking? Yeah, I mean, everything... To me, it's that's, that's a yes, right? Because I feel like he has the ability, and that's one thing they don't have. Uh, so you like to see that. But then you never know with uh, Pop and Rookies. It depends on how much he trusts him. So that's going to play a big part in it. I mean, and just going back on what you said earlier about using one of the starters, one one starter I can see that might get some extended minutes, you know, with the second unit is DeRozan, just because you mentioned he's another guy that can move the ball around. I think he averaged like, close to five assists last year. And when you have, like, Forbes and, and Patty, those those aren't really big distributors. I mean, they're more, I think their strength is obviously spotting up. So having somebody like DeRozan, but yeah, I mean, Lonnie, I think everybody wants to see him once he goes back. And so there's definitely room there and there's definitely an opportunity if they can't get anything going. For sure. I'm really eager to see if, if that happens in the, in the event that they do struggle, if, if Lonnie's the guy who gets that shot. Kind of like how, how Kawhi did in year one as a rookie where Pop really trusted him really early on. Um, my last question that, I, that I'm kind of taking away from the preseason, Mike, is uh, do, so so one thing I want to talk about is, is the three-point ball. You know, for the first three games, the Spurs were playing, you know, basically like dinosaur basketball. They were all mid-range and paint shots only. They weren't taking many threes. Um, the game that you said you went to, Detroit, they only took 14 threes that entire night. It was, it was I couldn't believe just 14 at the end of the game. So against Miami, they took 22. Against um, Detroit, 14. And against uh, Houston, they took 21. And if that was for a whole season, that would have been dead last in the league in terms of attempts. Now, what's interesting is that, uh, you know, after Murray got hurt and they had to start white, um, and, and like we mentioned with the threes from the bench unit, they ended up shooting 31 against Atlanta. But the flip side is that LaMarcus Aldridge, who's a big mid-range uh, jump shooter, uh, was out of that game. So do you think that, my question to you, Mike, is do you think uh, we're going to start seeing a little bit more uptick in three-point attempts from the Spurs? Or do you think that once Aldridge is back and everybody's basically back in their in their positions, that they're going to stick to more so um, just kind of almost being like 25th to 30th in three-point attempts? Yeah, I mean, that, that, that all depends on especially what line you have in there with the starting lineup. There's not, uh, you know, they don't have uh, a lot of players that are, you know, shoot outside. But then on their bench, they have, like you talked about, like four players that are capable of doing that. I think you kind of, Sign someone like uh, Bellinelli to try to increase those numbers, and we saw how bad the numbers were last year. They even had shooters that they just weren't performing. So, I, I do think we'll see some somewhat of an increase. Uh, like I said, especially when they go to the bench and, and they feature those type of players. Um, I think they, you know, they're, they're putting a lot in Forbes and probably going to give him a big role this year, in hopes of doing that. Same thing with the like Bellinelli and uh, you know Patty's always capable of doing that. Just don't expect them to come a lot at the start of games. 
Yeah, so so that's something to watch as well is is the uh, the the volume of their three point attempts. Um, thanks, Mike, for joining me on this uh, episode, of Spurs Cast, episode five hundred twelve. Spurs Cast listeners, if you're on Twitter, please follow him at mdeleon. Uh, continue to visit our sites at Project Spurs at at league underscore nba at the Spurs Cast and at Project Spurs Network over on social media. Online, visit us at projectspurs.com, analyzing the league.com, and projectspurs.net. And if you're on iTunes, please leave us a rating and review. Thank you. Have a great day. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.